Our Bible reading uh, this morning is from Luke chapter 1. Uh, we are going to be looking at the song of Zechariah, looking at uh, verses 67 to 80. Uh, Zechariah's song uh, has traditionally uh, been called the Benedictus uh, because of the very first word of the song, uh, blessed, translated as Benedictus in the Latin Bible. Uh, this is a song of praise uh, in which Zechariah blesses and praises God for the great work of salvation that he sees unfold before his very eyes. Uh, so let us uh, read through our passage together. And uh, for the sake of context, I'm going to be reading uh, from verse 57. And before we do this, uh, let us come before God in prayer. Let us pray together. O oh Lord our God, blessed indeed are you, for you have spoken to us in your word. Uh, please, has, please help us now, Lord, as we come to your word. Help us, our Father, to listen with ears of faith. Help us to understand Help us to see the wonders of your grace and mercy as they are recorded for us in this passage. And by your Holy Spirit, may we be enlightened, humbled, convicted, encouraged, comforted, and changed as you work in our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So uh, Luke chapter 1, reading from verse uh, 57. If you're using the Pew Bibles, it's on page 1172. Now the time came for Elizabeth... Uh, to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives uh, heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him Zechariah after his father, but his mother answered, No, uh, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. As he asked, and he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loosed and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness, before him all our days. And you, child, you will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, 
to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. About a week ago, I went to a golden wedding anniversary. This is an event that celebrates 50 years of marriage. Uh, 50 years uh, of life together as husband and wife. Uh, it was a beautiful occasion. Uh, it was a family event, and all the immediate members of the family were there, uh, without exception. Uh, there was a lunch, and during the lunch, uh, some speeches uh, were made. Uh, and I love those moments, uh, those moments when you get to reflect on the past and hear the words and the thoughts of others as they contemplate at uh, this very special occasion. How do you summarize 50 years of married life? What do you choose to focus on? What do you choose to include? And what do you choose to leave out? And good speeches I am told, are short, uh, which made things even more interesting for me. I didn't have to speak at the event, but it was agreed that four people would. And so I was interested to hear uh, what they had to say. Would they go back to the beginning of the marriage? Would the couple speak about how they met each other and fell in love with each other? and decided to spend their lives together? Would the children reflect on the memories that they have of their parents and the time they spent together as a family? Would they include the good parts only? Or would they also talk about the not-so-good parts as well? Would there be any words of wisdom, any words of advice, any words of encouragement? As looking forward to hear what each person would say. And when the time came for people to make their speeches, they each spoke with a lot of thoughtfulness. Each one of them weighing their words very carefully. And you could tell that they have each individually spent time thinking and reflecting and munching over what they wanted to say. It was a blessing to be there, and it was a blessing to listen to what each person had prepared. And this morning, uh, we have the privilege of listening to the song of Zechariah. This is the song of a man who has had nine months and eight days to think about the significance of the events that surrounded the very first Christmas. This is the song of a man of faith who grew up hearing about the promises of God to Israel, but now has experienced the blessing of God in his own life. And he's reflecting upon it. He's choosing his words carefully. This is uh, the song of an elderly man whose elderly wife 
has just given birth for the very first time after years and years and years of childlessness. And he's speaking to us this morning with words inspired to him by the Spirit of God. Uh, so to, uh, let us look at our passage together this morning. I have I divided our passage into two points. The first point is this. Our God is on the move. And salvation is his work. Something uh, has changed uh, in Zechariah. The words uh, that he speaks in verses uh, 67 to 79, uh, 68 to 79, are different from the words that he spoke at the beginning of Luke chapter 1. I don't know if you can remember that far back. But the last time that Zechariah spoke, uh, it was all the way back in verse 18. And there, they were words of unbelief. They were words of incredulity. And I don't want to justify uh, his lack of faith, but when I read through the account recorded for us of Zechariah uh, meeting the angel Gabriel at the beginning of Luke uh, chapter 1, I, I can imagine how the message of the angel Gabriel could have been a bit too much for him to take in. In five short verses at the beginning of our chapter, after 400 years uh, without a word of prophecy from God, after 400 years of prophetic silence, the angel Gabriel appears to Zechariah and announces to him that his barren and elderly wife will have a son. And in the same breath, Gabriel then tells him that he ought to name him John. Gabriel tells Zechariah that John will grow up to become a great man and servant of God. In just a couple of verses, Gabriel tells him that his son John will bring joy to many people. Gabriel compares then John to Elijah, who is a monumental figure in the Old Testament. Gabriel tells him that John will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Gabriel tells him that John should not drink wine or any strong drink. Gabriel says to Zechariah that John will have a critical part to play in the plans of God for his people. And I don't know about you, but to me, it comes across as this avalanche of information. And Luke uh, records for us that Zechariah uh, did not believe the message of the angel. And because of his lack of faith, and because of his unbelief in what Gabriel said, Gabriel says to Zechariah that he will not be able to speak until the day when these things take place. And so for nine months, Zechariah has not been able to speak all through the time of his wife's miraculous pregnancy. He has not been able to say a word. Zechariah has not been able to speak when Mary visited Elizabeth in their home pregnant with Jesus. Zechariah has not been able to speak when Elizabeth gave birth to their son John. But finally, on the eighth day, on the day of John's circumcision, Luke tells us in verse 64 that his mouth 
was open and his tongue loosed and he was able to speak again. So where will he begin? As his words return to him after nine long months of silence, what is he going to say? Where will he start? What will he emphasize? Please look with me at verse 68. This is the very first verse of Zechariah's song. Blessed, blessed be the Lord God of Israel. Why? For he has visited and redeemed his people. This is where he begins. Zechariah begins by praising God. His unbelief has turned into praise. Zechariah, with the help of the Holy Spirit, has has come to understand for himself the true meaning behind the story of Christmas and the message of Christianity. And we might imagine or expect that after nine months of silence and uh, the birth of his son, we might imagine that Zechariah would begin uh, with words concerning John. I, remi- I remember when my firstborn son was born, the first thing I did, I picked, pulled out my phone and I sent this group text. You know, that's what dads do. They're so proud. And they send this group text, born, time, wait, you know, the usual message. And not Zechariah. That's not where he starts. Instead, he begins by, by praising God because he now understands that there is something bigger and grander and more glorious at work here. Zechariah praises God because he has come to understand and believe that all the events surrounding the first Christmas have to do with God's great work of salvation. Set in motion many, many years ago and now being fulfilled in his days. There was a lot for him to take in, but Zechariah, but Zechariah has now put it all together. And he has come to appreciate the significance of all that has been happening. And in his song, he tells us about it. It's not only a reflection on what has happened before, but it's also a word of prophecy about what is going to happen. Zechariah sees the, in the events surrounding Christmas the hands of God at work on the pages of history. He sees God on the move, working for our salvation. Blessed be the Lord, for he has visited and redeemed his people, says Zechariah. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us. And this is true throughout the Bible. Salvation. Redemption, the forgiveness of sin, reconciliation with God, peace with God, fellowship with God is always, always been the work of God. It has always been the work of God. We cannot, we cannot save ourselves. In our fallen, fallenness, our minds have become hostile to God and hostile to the things of God. Our moral compass has become seared by sin 
And if we were left to ourselves, we would never come to God, but move further and further away from God. But as Zechariah will show us, God is gracious. God is merciful. God, the God of the Bible, the one and only God, delights to show compassion. And there is no greater place than the cross of Christ to see God's mercy and grace put on display for us to see. Because at the cross, Jesus showed mercy to us when He took upon Himself what you and I deserved to be punished for the sins that we've committed. And at the cross, Jesus showed to us His grace by giving to us what we did not deserve, His love, His kindness, His compassion, His forgiveness, and peace with God. And so after nine months of silence, Zechariah's minds and words and thanksgiving turns to God because he finally gets it. The Christmas story is the story of God's salvation to a dying and lost world. A world that Zechariah says at the end of his song is in darkness like a blind man walking towards a cliff, completely unaware of the danger ahead. And so Zechariah says in verse 68, Blessed be the God of Israel, for He has visited and redeemed His people. The message of Christmas, the good news of the Gospel, the Christian message is that God in His Son Jesus has come to visit us. He has come to save us. And Zechariah, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has come to understand that the birth of John and the miraculous pregnancy of Mary are steps that God is actively taking to save fallen humanity. And therefore the message is to all of us. To save us. It's a, it's a rescue mission. God is on the move to save you and I. To rescue us from the darkness of this world to catch us before we fall off the cliff. Zechariah wants us to see that the coming of Jesus Christ into the world is an extraordinary work of God's mercy and grace. He says to us at the end of verse 68 that it is a work of redemption and like all works of redemption it will come at a price. And as we will see as we go through Luke's Gospel the price of our redemption, the price of our salvation, will be nothing less than the life of Jesus Himself given in exchange for our salvation. The path of salvation, the way to heaven, for us will be through faith in Jesus, who gave His life as a payment for the debt of our sin. And so we will need to continue reading, passage after passage, chapter after chapter, till we get to the end and we see it more clearly. But the, but the message is this. What can wash away our sins? Nothing. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And Zechariah, he, he gets it. And he wants us to know this. And Luke wants his friend Theophilus to know this. He includes this in his narrative. 
Just like we want all of you this morning to know this and to believe this glorious and wonderful message of the gospel. This is good news. God has come to save us in Christ. So in many ways, the song of Zechariah is a song of salvation. It's a salvation song. It points us to God. It points us to Jesus. It tells us about the message of salvation and how we can be saved. In verse 69, Zechariah tells us that in Jesus, God has raised a horn of salvation in the house of David. After years and years of political unrest and instability in Israel and in Judea, after years of moral decline among the kings that followed King David, after years of religious idolatry and disobedience among the people of God, God was finally going to intervene and send into the world a righteous king, a king that would be strong like a horn, a king that would bring strength and stability and victory and glory back to the house of David. This king, of course, is Jesus. Jesus will be the faithful and obedient king that the prophets look forward to. Jesus would be the promised king, the Messiah, that would reign over the throne of David forever. Jesus would be the king who would gather all of God's people under the one banner and into a kingdom that will never be toppled down, a kingdom that will last forever. And we will need to wait again to see how all of this is going to unfold in the stories to come and in the parables that Jesus will tell us about the kingdom of God. But suffice it to say that in the events surrounding the first Christmas, Zechariah sees the plan of God's salvation unfold. Promises are being fulfilled. Unbelief turns to praise. He sees all the different connections with the Old Testament. He sees how it's all connected and intertwined. I came back from work on Wednesday, and the Christmas tree and the Christmas decorations were gone. I packed away for the rest of the year, and I remember thinking, how quickly does Christmas come and go? It's like a flash. It quickly appears and disappears. Just a couple of weeks ago, uh, it, it was there. We were, we were preparing for Christmas. We were making Christmas lists. We were buying presents. We were wrapping up presents. Uh, we were thinking through Christmas meals and menus. And then before we know it, it's come and it's gone. I always like uh, watching uh, our children uh, open their Christmas parents. It's actually a very frustrating experience for me. You spend all this energy trying to wrap up a ball, trying to wrap up a funny Lego, and then, Chris and then Christmas Day comes and literally three seconds, just to rip it apart. And you know, I'm trying to convince Michelle that we should not wrap presents. <laughs> just put it all in the bag, just send it over. You save money, save the energy. Uh, but, but the point is, it, it, it comes so quickly, and, and we've barely had time to think about the message of Christmas that it's behind us, and now we're moving down along, along with a, this new year ahead of us. Um, but this morning, in his song, Zechariah, he wants us to think about the Christmas message again. Zechariah wants us to think deeply and not hastily about the message behind Christmas. Zechariah wants us to see that the coming of Jesus Christ into the world is an extraordinary work of God. And, and for someone who is, 
who tells us at the beginning of this book that he's writing history, that he's recording historical facts. Isn't it interesting that he speaks about angels and miraculous birth? And I think it, it makes a point, isn't it? History can sometimes be stranger than fiction. God is, is doing an extraordinary work on the very scene of human history. God is showing to us um, his love, his compassion, his mercy. Zechariah wants us to see the faithfulness of God over many, many years. And, though, and therefore, he points us back to all these covenants, the covenants with David, the covenant with Abraham. Zechariah, in his song, is telling us that the God of the Bible keeps his promises. He doesn't give us false hopes. He says it to us in verse 70 and again in verse 72. And this comes from the mouth of a man who has had to wait his whole life for God to answer his prayers. This comes from the mouth of a man who himself was skeptical about the message that God gave to him through Gabriel. But in the past nine months, Zechariah has learned to trust God in a new way. The events that has transpired in his life have challenged him and strengthened him in his faith. Zechariah's song is filled with a sense of thankfulness to God for his work of salvation in Jesus. The song is filled with words of hope and words of salvation, words like redeemed and saved and mercy and deliverance and forgiveness of sin and peace. Zechariah tells us in verse 72 that he understands that what God is doing, he's doing to show mercy, to show compassion, to show that he has not forgotten the promises that he made to his people a long, long time ago. The coming of Jesus into the world is an answer to God's promises, not only to King David, but also to Abraham. The message of the gospel, the message of salvation is for all the world to hear. It's for people living in Australia. It's for people living in Bangladesh. It's for people living in China. It's for people living in Scotland. It's for people living in Iraq. It's for people everywhere. The message of the gospel is for all to hear. And therefore, uh, point number two, and it's a shorter one, we must be prepared to receive it. Such a glorious and, and beautiful gospel, and therefore we must be prepared to receive it. And this uh, takes us to verses 76 to 80. And finally, in verses 76 to 80, Zechariah now turns his attention to his own son. And the very important role that John is going to play in God's plan of salvation. Zechariah tells us in verse 70, 76 that John will grow up to be a prophet of God. He will grow up uh, to be God's spokesperson. He will grow up and bring God's message to God's people. He will be a preacher of the gospel. John will be given the great responsibility of preparing the people of his day for the great salvation that God has planned in Christ. John's mission was to make sure that no one misses out on what God was about to do. Zechariah says to us in verse 77 that John's role will be to prepare the people of his day by teaching them about salvation and teaching them how to be saved. He was going to point to them. He was going to tell them, this is how you're forgiven. This is how you're saved. And the first part of Zechariah's song describes for us the great work of salvation, but the second part tells us how we receive it. The first part is the gift. The second part is telling us how 
we receive it and we make it own, our own. In many ways, John's role is very similar to our role as witnesses for Christ. John was to point people to Jesus and to his message of salvation, so do we. John was to teach the people of his day about the seriousness of their sins, so, so we ought to do the same. John was to warn the people of his day of the real danger of dying without God, without our sins, with our sins counted against us, and so do we. John was to teach the people of his day that what true repentance is and looks like, and so do we. The message of the gospel is not simply to believe, it is to repent and believe. John was to teach his people about the importance of repentance and faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins and peace with God. And so do we. As witnesses for Christ, our role today is very similar to that of John. Jesus has come to save sinners like us. And by the mercy and grace of God, we have come to know Christ and believe in the message of salvation. Our mission now is to share it to those around us. Now, because I am conscious that Jordan will come next week to preach from Luke chapter 3, which is about the ministry of John, I want to extend to him the same kindness that he extended to me when he preached the first part at the end of Luke chapter 1. In other words, he didn't go on expounding on the song, and therefore I won't go too far in expounding about the ministry of John the Baptist. Jordan will do this for us next week. Uh, but let me close with those final words of observation from this song carefully knitted together song of Zechariah. Luke tells us at the beginning of his book that he is writing so that his friend Theophilus would have confidence and certainty and faith in the things that he has been taught about Jesus. The story of Zechariah is an example of that. It is the testimony of a man who grew in his confidence and faith in God. At the beginning of chapter 1, Zechariah does the words of the angel Gabriel, but, but, in, but at the end of the chapter, Zechariah's doubts have turned to praise. His unbelief has given way to trust. And, he, and this tells us that Luke is not simply interested in presenting stories for the sake of stimulating our intellect. The Gospel of Luke, the message of salvation in Christ, is a message that ought to lead us to know God and to know Him better and to have a deeper understanding of who he is. When the message of the gospel sinks into our hearts, it will inevitably lead us to praise God and to worship God with all our hearts and to desire to know more about God and to grow in our knowledge of God. And this message of salvation should fill our hearts with thankfulness to God, like it did for Zechariah. It should fill our hearts with joy. It should remind us of the love of God for us. It should comfort us during our times of sorrow and pain. The song of Zechariah should also remind us of God's faithfulness to His promises. God has promised to always be with us. God has promised to provide for our needs. God has promised to us um, that in all things He is working for the good of those who love Him. This may not have always been evident to us. This may not always be evident to us. This may not have been evident to Zechariah and Elizabeth during all these many years when they were praying and waiting and expecting a child. But God did not forget them. And yet this does not mean that if we wait long enough, that God would necessarily answer in the way that we prayed. God's wisdom and God's plan for us are unsearchable. 
We do not know the mind of God. We do not know what the future holds. We do not even know what tomorrow will bring. But our comfort is that God knows. And God cares. He cares for us. And He has shown this to us at the cross of Christ. And our lives are in His loving hands. And He is working all things for the good of His people, even when it's not immediately apparent to us. And like Zechariah, he calls us to trust him. The song of Zechariah also teaches us that we are saved to serve God. This is what Zechariah says in verses 74 and 75. We are saved by God so that we would be free to serve God in holiness and righteousness. So God's salvation brings meaning and purpose to our lives. And we have been freed from sin so that we would walk in holiness and obedience before God so it is always a good question for us to ask, how are we doing this in our everyday life? How are we serving God? The song of Zechariah also reminds us that Jesus is able to save all those who turn to Him in faith. Jesus is able to forgive all those who bring their sins to Him in repentance. Jesus is able to bring us into fellowship with God, the Father. So that like Zechariah, we might praise Him with our own lips. Now a day might come when someone has to give a speech about you. It might be during your, gradu your graduation day. It might be when you get engaged. It might be during your wedding reception. It might be when you retire from work. It might be at your funeral. What would you be reminded for? How would those around you summarize your life? What will come up in their speech? Will they speak about the grace of God in your life? Will they speak about your faith in Jesus? Will they speak about your love for God and your trust in Him? May the Lord help each one of us to live for Him in holiness and righteousness all the days of our lives. Amen. Let me pray for us. Almighty God, we praise you for your faithfulness. We praise you for your steadfast love towards us, your people. We praise you for your mercy and for your grace in the gospel. We praise you for sending unto us Jesus, the son of David, and the heir of the promises to Abraham. And may we all know, Lord, through Christ, the forgiveness that you give, the peace that you offer, and the joy and freedom of serving you all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.